Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. Uh, You are hearing this ahead of the episode you're about to listen to today uh, because after recording what was to be episode 102 of the podcast, uh, we went a little long, Uh, actually just over two hours uh, with Cody Fairfield and myself talking uh, politics and the application of politics and the outworkings of politics in society today. A lot of the Uh, challenges that we have right now as it relates to uh, politics, culture, race, gender, and so many other things. And so I ended up deciding that this would be better suited to be broken up into two episodes. So today you were going to be hearing, or on this episode, you're going to be hearing part one of, uh, of the podcast. That will be episode 102. And then releasing next week will be episode 103. That is part two of the podcast. So Uh, You'll hear a lot of preface uh, once you get into the official introduction that Cody and I had. But uh, as always, I would say, um, get ready, have fun, enjoy listening to the podcast, be gracious. uh, And uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, please feel free to reach out to me at any point, whether it's in the middle of the podcast or at the end of one, or maybe give it a chance to listen all the way through to both episodes before you decide to... um, make a a thought or judgment on something that we've said. So with that, enjoy episode 102 and soon to be 103 of Authentic Conversations. All right. What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's a special edition of the podcast today because I don't really know what's going to happen. So Uh, As many of you probably have seen uh, over the last two weeks, I think, on social media, uh, I've been sharing a little bit more uh, about politics, Uh, not necessarily my views, though at times I've shared a couple of things, uh, but just been talking a little bit more about what's going on in the world as it relates to politics. And really, um, what is going on in politics today may both be a feeder for, but also just a, uh, a reflection of uh, what is going on in society today. So uh, I felt like it, this was a good opportunity to have this conversation, but I couldn't do it alone because I don't know facts. No, I do know some facts, but I just don't know enough facts. Uh, so I brought back my good friend, Cody Fairfield. Hello, Cody. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? It is going great. Well, we're going to see. At least, at least now. <laughs> at least now it's going great. Um, so I brought Cody in because Cody's a good friend. Cody and I have, I would say, similar views uh, on where we stand, let's say, philosophically and then even spiritually, which we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but we do have some differences uh, in maybe how we apply some of those things at different times. We've had these conversations millions of times. Cody, you spent some time in politics. I did. Right? Um, yeah, so I was part of a 2016 presidential campaign. I uh, was a delegate for a national party, uh, which means I actually got to vote on the nomination for president before they were nominated by the party at large. 
Um, I was also the editor-in-chief of the libertarianrepublic.com, uh, which probably gives away where I worked uh, in <laughs> terms of what party I worked within. Um, I am no longer a registered libertarian, um, though Ooh, uh, talk about that. philosophy leans that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I am a firm believer in it's way more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's good, too. Um, so... Uh, let's see here. I am going to set some ground rules for you listening. Uh, this is not for us because we could kind of say what we want if we really wanted to. So a couple of things that I want to make sure that I'm clear of as we get started. First of all, you may think like, why are you doing this? Uh, and because that's not what your podcast is about. And it is because this is the life that we're living. This is the world that we're living in. Uh, we have, we are both the, um, uh, I don't know, we just we experience everything that we do in life in large part because of the political landscape today. Uh, law, uh, order, uh, or lack thereof. Um, also because this has been a significant uh, point of contention and division in our country. Uh, and uh, even in uh, my own social spheres, and I have friends from every single background and everything um, inside the church where I've, I spend a significant amount of time or I have and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that I think um, so there's a lot of reasons but more than anything it's been on my heart to just share with you all where I'm coming from and maybe even say some things that people have been asking me to say that I have been timid to say uh, and so um, yeah so so that's kind of the why um, beyond that uh, here's the rules uh, that I'm gonna ask for. You don't have to follow them, you get to choose to do what you want. Uh, but I'm gonna ask for a insane amount of grace uh, because this is my heart and this is my head worked out as best as I possibly can. Um, Cody, while he has a lot more education, experience and understanding, also deserves the same amount of grace because he too is a human being who has his own opinion, his own bias, which we're gonna talk about. Uh, and a lot of other things. So grace is first. Uh, second to that is a desire to understand. Not to understand where we're coming from or even to understand our point as much as just to understand that there are many perspectives and there are many reasons why we come to the conclusions that we do. That's number two. And number three, and this one may be, grace is first, this one is the second most important is if there is anything that I or he, and I'll take responsibility for what he says, uh, anything that we say uh, that you're gonna listen to this week or in, in weeks, months, years to come that offends you, I am gonna ask you to reach out to me directly and to ask me for clarification. Unless if you feel like I say something, it's clear as day and you're going to make a decision, you can do that. Obviously, you're a grown up. But um, I would ask that we have conversation because there's going to be things I'm 100% confident that we're going to disagree on and we should still be able to be friends. We should still be able to be fellow human beings. We should still be able to be business colleagues. I do not feel like politics and or religion, which is going to come into this to some degree, should be off the table topics. And I think it's a shame that we live in a world today that we can't talk about that in business or around the family dinner table. Mm -hmm. Like it's sad. Yep. So anyway, so lots of rules. That's like six minutes of, of like me qualifying things because this is a very sensitive subject. Um, okay. so. Now we're going to talk about some terms um, as best as we can, and Cody's going to fill in a lot more here than I will. Um, but I think that if we don't have some sort of terms to find, then 
We're not even starting from the same place. So I think one of the first things that comes to my mind, and actually this is the only one I really wrote down, though I know more is going to come to mind, is liberal and conservative. Mm -hmm. So how would you define those two things? Um, so I always define these things in terms of um, philosophy. Everybody likes to misconstrue this with party politics, and that's because within the United States we live in a binary system. You have one of two choices. People argue there are more, but let's be honest, having worked deeply within a third party, there are, there are systems preventing other voices that fall differently on the paradigm. Um, so for me, if I were describing somebody who is liberal, uh, this is often construed as being somebody who is a little more fiscally, uh, they, are, they are more concerned about the general good than the dollar, um, and they, they place value on the good, not necessarily the money spent. Um, and when it comes to social policy, they are typically, uh, at least in the United States, people who utilize the government powers, the coercion of the government, to enforce policy in the name of uh, equality of um, equality of outcome, essentially. Absolutely. So based on you know your creed, your gender, your race, every, everything needs to be equal in terms of outcome. Um, I would argue that that needs to be moved maybe to opportunity, and I think that gets conflated sometimes. Conversely, I think when you're looking at conservatives, typically they are more caring about, and they get called cold more often because they care more about the fiscal side of things than the outcome side of things. Um, and again, that is a, a conflation of the, uh, the idea, I think. Um, but when it comes to social policy, they too have a tendency to want to utilize the power of government to enforce a common good in their worldview socially, right? Um, so I would actually argue that in terms of social policy, they're relatively the same with different outcomes. Yeah. Fiscally is really where they separate uh, in terms of you know how they spend money and how they value the dollar. Yeah, I think that's really good, like right out of the gate, because not just again, and some and people can define those things a little bit differently, see those things differently, which is fine. But that's why it's important to lay this out here for this conversation, yeah. so people understand where we are coming from. Yeah. So that so so you know that you know comes to mind, right? Just kind of like setting some ground rule there. But I think what's also really important, especially in today's day and age. So we're fighting for a couple of different things, and maybe I'm already going to lose the terms discussion, and we'll come back to it again later. But like, people are fighting for so many different things, and they're no longer able to be lumped into a bucket because they're fighting for things. Like, uh, so everybody knows that I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan, and uh, the other day I heard him say this, and I've heard him say this before. So he would say that he is socially liberal, fiscally conservative for the most part. Um, and that doesn't fit in a box anymore. That doesn't fit in an animal, that doesn't fit in a tribe, not, not, not at least as what is put out there at the forefront for us. And so I think it's important that as we're thinking about politics and whatever decisions that we make, that it's important that we think about the outcomes that we're looking for, like what we're looking to see produced in this world and then decide how we best think those things are gonna be worked out versus first declaring a tribe and then just agreeing that their wholesale policy is gonna work, right? Correct, and, and I, I think, and funny enough, uh, for me I always go back to like the founding documents of this nation, what were the purpose of that? And I like to use their own words. So they, I think George Washington nailed this in his farewell address and I can read you the quote here. He said that 
The alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, uh, which, is, which in different ages and countries has perpetuated the most horrid enormities, is itself a fragile despotism. But this leads at length to more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in absolute power of an individual, and sooner or later the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns his disposition to the purposes of his own elevation and the ruins of public liberty. And I think this nails to a T what has happened. We are picking, you pick a team, like you said, you pick right. a tribe, you associate with that tribe, doesn't matter philosophically how you develop your own ideas, you just take whatever the tribe tells you. Yep. Um, and, and this is another reason why we've seen the terms liberal and conservative uh, mold or become an enigma because they don't really mean anything. You'll right. hear people use the term rhino all the time, which is a Republican in name only. Um, same thing can be said about the left, where now you're not progressive enough. Um, these mm. things shift in mold because the, the parties define what liberal and conservatives mean and so it's easy to conflate they become overwhelmed terms that are hard to define yeah well yeah and i mean you know when i heard in there you know in that quote like it, it's it's this overreach for a reaction to what's happening is what's creating more polarization like yep. at least at the political level right i mean socially as well i guess but we sit in a state that we do because we're having to further define and divide these two entities because we don't we don't want to have anything to do with them and so like if you are red I'm blue right and, or I didn't even mean to actually do that with the parties but that's what happened <laughs> or like um, you know I, I, if, if you're if you're white I'm green it's like no right. like there there's no shades it's just it's it's an ultimate one or another so maybe to ask you this question is when do you feel like we started to see this Depth or this—that's uh, not the right word. Uh, this divide, the, the, the divide to the degree that it is, sure. because I feel like um, at least again, you're going to answer this mm -hmm. appropriately. I'm going to answer this uh, in perspective and opinion. <laughs> but I feel like even when um, Bill Clinton was in office, mm -hmm. and so I grew up in a reasonably conservative Republican household. Sure. Um, though my parents never talked about politics. Like, I was not educated in that. But I just your philosophy was. Yeah, right? yeah. Conservative, right? right? Sure. Um, even that was, like, kind of off the rails. But whatever. Um, but when Bill Clinton was in office, and I was, I guess, in junior high when that happened. Maybe early high school? Anyway, so... Um, no, junior high. Um, it wasn't this, like, appalling thing, per se. You know, it was like, yes, he's in office... Policies are a little bit different. Maybe he's not your guy, but it wasn't this like crazy divide. At least it didn't feel that right. way. Right, well, so I'm gonna answer this in two ways. I will say that we understand, and this is kind of touching even on, on the biblical talk that we'll start to kind of introduce into this conversation. Understanding the largest human condition is that we are flawed. From the moment you set foot on the earth, your first breath, you are flawed, right? So we, we, are, we are born with this human condition of mistake happening all the time. That's just our condition. Understanding that, we have been contentious with each other since man walked the earth. Yeah. That is the first and primary point that everybody needs to realize, is there is nobody who has ever walked the earth that has never had contention with somebody or something or had emotions that overwhelmed their reasoning, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's, I mean, that is the contemplation of philosophy at its general base is that. 
the whole purpose of morality is to try to constrain emotions, right? So if you look at, and, and we'll just talk in terms of history of the United States, we've always been divided. Yeah there, yeah, there has always been division. Yeah, civil war, right. right? Civil war, civil war. There, there were uh, the, not the one the that's coming. The right. one that yeah. <laughs> there, there were, there were um, uh, party or Britain loyalists versus yeah. the revolutionaries who decided to, you know, create this new nation. So, like, there's always been divide. So, what about been... more present day? Then I think that because that that will bring correct. I, I don't think it's changed. I think I think really? the amount of division is the same. The difference is. We there there seems to be a breakdown in the common thread that holds us together. Okay. Right? There's always been something that unites us a better a better tomorrow. Sure. That was driven um, through a common a common understanding of what our country stood for. So like take take the Civil War, right? There's nobody in that Civil War that would have said, "Hey, I would rather go you know uh, become a, a a part of Mexico or a part of Canada." to fight this civil war. They yeah. wanted to be their own independent selves or they wanted to be the United States. There were only two options for yeah. them. It just yeah. happened that this this division um, was so significant. Uh, and part of that still plays in today. Obviously, it will develop that conversation as it kind of plays along. But um, my, my main point was they still understood that our founding document, what, what our country was founded upon was what made them different, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, whether or not they lived up to that totally, that's for further discussion as we kind of you know, continue this conversation. But my point being is that there's always been contention. There's always been a common thread. Whether it was, uh, I mean, you can even look at the Civil Rights Act as part of that. You can look at the space race as part of that. Our competition with with other countries to get to the moon, right? Yeah. You can look at 9/11 and how that brought everybody together. Um, and 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 it's different various things uh, that create that that common thread where we go. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like your your siblings, right? You're like. You know, you if you had a little brother, did you have a little brother? Yeah, little, yeah, right. Yeah. And you kind of you beat him up a little bit, but you're yeah. like the next, you know, somebody else comes in to try to beat up your little brother. You're like, don't touch my little yeah, brother. That's yeah, mine yeah. to beat up, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of that relationship yeah. we've always had with each other, and and that's that's caused us to be one of the most innovative countries because it's always a competition against the next guy, sure. right? So there's a very good thing, but it's a very delicate balance, yeah. a very delicate walk, tightrope uh, tight walk that we that we utilize there. The issue is that now parties have intentionally cut that tightrope. They have told us we don't have anything in common. Yeah, you're right. We don't share anything with those people. Um, and, and I'm going to share this from my bias point because of how I vote or how I how I happen to be um, politically affiliated, right? And they called Mitt Romney a racist and said that he was trying to throw people back in chains Mitt Romney is the most milk toast candidate, clean cut <laughs> right. candidate. Like I was, and don't complete these two points. But Mitt Romney was not inspiring in any way. Sure. Right. Yeah. And yet they still attacked him. They had they they made a commercial, and they being the, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, made a commercial of Paul, uh, an image of Paul Ryan throwing a grandma off a cliff because he had disagreements about the Affordable Care Act. So this isn't anything new to today. Yeah. The yeah. difference is is it's. 10 years later, 15 yeah. years later, 20 years later, right? The difference also is that it's been in academia now for a generation. Yeah. Those yeah. kids who who were in the college system, and I can tell you it's real. I, I dealt with it in college myself um, and and being pulled aside because of my political view in college telling, being told I won't pass classes. So I know this is a real experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that generation is now able to vote, able to organize, able to work, able to influence 
uh, right or wrong. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even saying that's necessarily wrong. It just yeah. is. It is, yeah. is the no, circumstance. For sure. For sure. Uh, and so we are seeing that divide. This group that was told, we don't share commonalities with that group. That group is racist. That group is X. And it happens from the right, too. Don't, oh, don't misconstrue totally. me. It's, 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 they're well, two wings of the same bird. Well, that so, bird is just outrageous. So, I mean, this is like, you know, again, I, you know, qualifying, uh, another qualifying statement that I didn't make in the beginning, right? So, I am a Christian, and so I hold to very specific biblical values, and yet I will say that my first experience as an adult of hearing somebody say, that's not my president, wasn't in this current presidential term with Donald Trump. It was when Obama was elected, Mm -hmm. and not because he was black, right, which by the way, like, so clear I want to make that right up front, at least in my circles. He wasn't their president because he went against their biblical values. Correct. And and obviously, um, you, you would, I, I don't want to say that. You can see how, not obviously, but you can see how that would have been, he would have contested the possibility of people's hope of an overturn of Roe v. Wade or of when... Um, when he, uh, he when he was a proponent for and helped to push through the ability for gay people to get married, and so like I I get their misalignment philosophically with him, but at the same time it came like it came there first, mm-hmm. which is like such a shame for me to 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 even say because here is a group of people that today. And we're jumping all over the place now, but like, here is a group of people today, uh, many of which, not all, but a good portion of them, that are standing behind a man today. And I'll I'll, I'll talk way more yep. about this later, so don't judge us right now. Yep. Like, but standing behind a man today that does not demonstrate the character, the integrity, or the morality that they uphold as a position for, for a leader with a biblical integrity, and yet they're standing behind him, believing that in some sense, and again, they being a group of them, not the whole church, not all Christians, but they're doing that now, mm-hmm. watching blindly, blindly, as all of the things, all the bad things that are happening. And trust me, he's done good, we'll talk about them later. But when it was the reverse, and there were so many things that Barack Obama did that were good during his two terms in office and they wouldn't admit to any of them as a matter of fact like he was the antichrist in some of those circles those were kind of like the crazy people get reversed right with with trump and to the other side like it it's it's a polar mirror of of the situation and and again i'm gonna i'm gonna try to weave this thread because i really want people to understand and this is something that's really foundationally changed my life and, and it's part of the reason i've kind of come back home to the church from my struggles with with finding my faith is you mentioned the first thing was grace the second thing was understanding that we are fundamentally flawed if i expect you to be perfect every time you are going to fail me every time it is something that when we talked about counseling uh for for my most recent marriage right yeah my most recent my recent my marriage was recent (laughs) not that i have had multiple marriages um, but it, it's something we talked about, right? Is, yeah. that, is that we can't set that boundary as perfect because you're going to fail every time and then you're going to feel as if somebody has failed you every time. But the problem is with politics, we look into the reverse, right? We, we go, they are perfect. So whatever they do is perfect, yeah. right? And, and we don't leave room for criticism, right? Well, or just to interject here, or I think what actually happens more, at least from the 
uh, I'll say Christian perspective, there's probably some other people that are mm-hmm. here too, is when it does not fit my narrative and my agenda, then I'm upholding that person to the highest moral regard, though I would still say I know they, they can't right. be nor are perfect. Right. Whereas when they align with me, then I say, right. well, of course they can't be perfect, but look at all the good. Grace for me, but not for the And I'm like, yo, you are talking out of both sides of your mouth right. in, in, in ways that are so destructive and damaging. Forget about politics. But how, how just about how you see the world and how the world sees you, right, you know, right. so and, messy. And I think, again, if we if we frame this on like everybody's fallible, if I went in thinking Barack Obama had to be the most perfect president, he's going to fail me. If I think Donald Trump is going to be a perfect president, he's going to fail me. If I go in thinking people have to be congruent in their thoughts, geez, am I going to fail right, mildly right. because people just aren't. They, one, again, we've kind of talked about it. They don't have a, their undergirding philosophy is not developed far enough for them to be expected to be congruent. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have people who say one thing and do another. Why? Because they're flawed. That is, we, we understand that fundamentally. Yeah. Right? This is um, why, by the way, this is like a totally random thought, but this, this was what hurt me so bad about um, all of the negative repercussion that George Bush Jr. took post 9-11 sure particularly months later when like things were getting back to semi-normal and people then could cast judgment you know people were like he handled it so poorly you know like he made a mess of everything i'm like dude one man is in charge of a country ultimately in charge of a country that for the first time in its history has been attacked on its own soil then he needs to decide what the response is going to be, not just to protect our borders, but then to go in and try and eliminate that threat, not just for us, but for the rest of the world. Correct. And you're going to tell me that he handled the poorly? How? Like, how? Which goes all the way to today, with all of the things that have been done incorrectly, global pandemic? Like, how are you supposed to handle that, right? Right. Like, we, we, we impose these things onto people more so because they don't align with us, yes. our party, our beliefs, and, and we stop treating them like a person. Correct. Correct. And, and and it's hard because one, and I'll be the first one, they, they do deserve a stronger standard than the rest of the population totally. because of the responsibility they accept. Totally. Two, they're still people, like you just said. They're still people. Like, And this is part of, again, the mindset with, and, and Barack Obama had this very much. He was worshipped. They were people on the left, loved him. And parts of it, rightfully so. Amazing order. Great, great uh, public perception, yeah, right? He yeah. gave you, like, he gave you the perception that you sat down and had a beer with him. You could hear story after story after story, and, and you would just be enthralled in yeah. his charisma. And, his, and, 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 you know, if you ask me today, who would I rather listen to talk? 100% Barack Obama. Right. I listen to him talk every day about anything. Yeah, his voice alone, and, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, he's, and, and he like, was. Hey, he was an extremely, t- he was the, the only reason he was able to elevate himself from a newly elected senator to the White House was because of his ordering skills and his organization skills and the, the people he could get behind him, right? Yeah. And he was consistent, right? Oh, like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, agree or disagree. Consistent in messaging. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Policies, obviously, they're a whole other story. But yeah, I, I would agree. Like, that was that was what made him so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I never had a contention with him as a person. I have, all my contentions with him were always philosophical or, or yeah. policy-wise, right? And, and to me, that's kind of where we need to be able to make these delineations. We need to be able to say, yes, I see issues, like the the stress and what George W. Bush, to use your example, went through, I I can feel for him as a human being. 
but I'm going to criticize this policy because I think it could have been handled better. Yeah. But yep. that doesn't mean yep. that I treat him lesser than because of the fact that he's still a human being. Right, right. I, I could criticize a hundred things Obama did with, with Iran and the policies that went on there, right? And yep. you can see the difference in outcome already with the Middle East today versus, you know, uh, during his during his uh, terms as president. And that's another story for another time. But my point being is I don't ever look at Barack Obama and go, well, I think he was ill-intented, right? Um, and that's not to say that maybe I didn't share an article that had a different slant to it, but obviously I'm using other people's voices to try to articulate best as my with my position or to yeah. learn from. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not I'm not guilt free of it by any means. Um, but my point being is that if if he walked into the room today, he would still be the president of the United States, the forty forty fourth president of the United States. I would still want to shake his hand and hear everything he had to say. Yeah, respect him. 100%. I respect. Everything that he tried to do, again, he 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 had a, a desire to serve. He had a, a specific and clear goal and intention, obviously influenced by so many people and things that right. none of us will ever know. But he did what he believed the best that he could. Right. At least that that's the benefit of the doubt right. I'm going to give him, right? And so, yeah, like... That it's gone, yeah. right? We we that doesn't exist anymore in politics. And as a matter of fact, like it's it's the exact opposite. Correct. It's and like on both sides. Oh gosh, I mean, absolutely. And and it's just it, it's it's so disappointing for me to see. Um, okay, so perspective, I think, is is super important. I think that um, it's it's really helpful that we. We have a good baseline for for where we're coming from and where we want to go as individuals right. as we think about politics, as we think about this, this inserts itself into discussions on race and gender and everything else. I don't think that we've done ourselves a good service to, to truly answer those questions for ourselves. What we do is, is and a lot of it I know is because it's an uh, overabundance of information most news sources today don't tell the truth anymore, but... I wouldn't say... So, and I want to clarify that one statement. Because everybody goes with this fake news thing, and that's a lot of that is Donald Trump's fault. 100%. No, I, I, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. But what I want to be clear is a lot of the media is biased. It's yeah. different than not, yes, telling, not telling the truth. The truth. They yes. tell the truth that they think you want to hear. Yes, you're right. Or they think you need to hear. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's false all the time. Now, there are... Parts where that gets that get misconstrued. Right. Absolutely, that's part of bias. Right. I think the bigger issue is they don't admit that they're biased. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I, I think that again, like as we're having this conversation, that is something that's so important that, like, if I'd have just said that, and then we move on, like, it's very easy for somebody to hear that and say, "Well, gosh, you're just so ignorant." Like, right. they're not. You're ignoring every all the information. Yeah. And whereas it's far better to say, like, let's look at two different sides of an apple and one of us can say that it's bright, bright red and the other side sees bruises and bumps. And it's like, well, you're just looking at it from two different places. Correct. And so I think you're right. That That's a lot more both because of their own bias going into the situation, but then how they're going to look at the situation is going to be so different. And and then their intention to report it in a specific way that also then leads Completely, to yeah. the bias that it does, yeah. which obviously we see that in, in so many um in so many different ways. Um, okay, so let's talk about some like very specific things dun, of dun, today. Dun. I know. Um, let's see. So something that I, I want to say, and then I'm, I'm going to wrap 
probably some of this up a, a little bit later. I, dude, if I wrapped, you would be so sorry for a lot of <laughs> that reasons. That would be worse than whatever it is we're about to say. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to share with kind of where I stood and where I stand right now somewhat politically because clearly as you're hearing me talk and you're hearing Cody talk, we, we come from a specific place and we could get a third person in here which we have a bias which would be so great that we had somebody that talk, thought totally different than us to have these same conversations but um, we don't and so sorry um, so in 2016 okay so uh, before that so I didn't vote for a long time um, actually as a matter of fact uh, from the time I was 18 years old until I was 28 years old uh, I never voted ever like I was registered. Apathy, ignorance. What would you say? Um, from eighteen to twenty-ish, early twenties, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. I didn't care. Yeah. I cared what happened, but I didn't really care. Right. And I was so ignorant, and I didn't have a good influence in my life. Like my mom was doing the best she could, just trying to raise us. So right. we weren't educated, um, like in, in that manner. It wasn't talked about in the house. My dad, you know, he wasn't around a ton. We saw him every other weekend, but mm -hmm. we weren't talking politics and policy. Right. Um, and uh, and yet at the same time, I grew up in a nice area, so I was, you know, fairly. Uh, protected from the sure. evils of bad policy on one end or the other. Um, uh, and at the same time, I, I think that, no, I, I know, I didn't understand just how powerful um, proper policy was. Right. And, and and even though, like, a lot of people look at me and they're like, okay, well, you're a white male, and so you are biased and privileged and which I'm going to talk about in a little bit mm -hmm. but I want people to also understand that yes I grew up in Yorba Linda California which particularly back in the 1980s and even 90s was like as suburbia as suburbia got I mean it wasn't racist suburbia but it was like suburb white suburbia yeah, it was, there it was, was gentrified very very few sure. like I had one Asian friend you know uh, that lived on my block uh, and and then it wasn't until I started going to school that you know I started to you know meet sure. people of other races and and there's a lot of other reasons why that. So anyway, so but at the same time, even though I grew up in this area, um, my parents divorced when I was six. You probably heard this part of the story before at some point, but my parents divorced when I was six. My dad left us with nothing. Um, my mom had no job. My dad cut up all of her credit cards. Um, my dad, as a matter of fact, made my mom buy him out of her half of the house or his half of the house, but she didn't have any money. And so she had to go borrow money from a bunch of other people because she didn't want us to leave the neighborhood that we grew up in. Correct. She worked two and three jobs. There was times that my mom got up in the morning at six o'clock, prepared our food for, the, for uh, lunch, and then she took off. She would come home at like 6.30 at night from her job, right. and then she would go out to another job uh, one of two jobs that she worked a lot of times, one of which I remember she worked at Macy's in the jewelry department. And that was just to put food on the table. And we ate, this is not an exaggeration, macaroni and cheese, hot dogs, and bread on a regular, right? All brown label stuff, never brand names. We typically didn't get school clothes. So you can still say that I was protected and privileged and definitely in some ways that I was. But I didn't grow up in some like cush right. environment. Well, and I would say that my story mirrors. It's not exact. My dad was always present, but my I did come from a broken family, and I have a sister who's severely disabled that put similar hamstrings on, you know, the the experiences that you had. Even though I grew up in Placentia or Belinda, even though I grew up in an area where. I get lumped in with this group of people who just assume that nothing was ever a struggle for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
So then all of that to say with my upbringing, so I didn't understand how politics influenced that at all, right? And, and what would that even have to do with anything? Right. And so then I became a Christian in 2006. Uh, that was, I was 28. And that church talked all about politics and protecting conservatism. And so 2008 was the first time I voted. And I voted against Barack Obama because, of course, I'm going to vote against Barack Obama because... It's funny. We share the same first election. Yeah, because they, they tell me that's what I'm supposed to do, except that was the first time you were eligible to vote. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Mine was the first time I chose. It's true. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that that's where politics started for me. And I was very much indoctrinated with, um, if you check off these boxes, then you are the candidate for us. There was voter guides. And some of those things are helpful, but... It, not when it's just one broad blanket. Mine will be out this weekend, just for anybody who's interested. For real? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you're doing. Oh, where are we going to find that at? Uh, I'll post it on my Facebook page. Normally, I do it through a note, but I might do it on, like, a WordPress, something like that, too, if anybody's interested. Okay, so I'll, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so you can dissect this whole voter guide. Um, maybe you're going to like what he has to say. Maybe Probably. you have already. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, that was 2008. Uh, 2012, I again... Uh, voted against Barack Obama, um, which was Mitt Romney, right? That was mm -hmm. two thousand, the two thousand twelve election, um, and no, uh, John McCain. Oh, John McCain, John that's McCain, right. Romney so was Romney was twenty eight. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight would be uh, McCain, and then twenty twelve was it twenty twelve your first election? Yeah, oh, sorry. No, yeah. two thousand eight was my 2008 first. Two thousand eight was McCain. Two thousand twelve was uh, that's McCain. right. And actually, uh, to this day, I could get behind McCain. Um, I could have got behind McCain. Um, you know, 2012 was Romney. Um, that was, again, you know, very much more social than it was anything Correct. else. Still didn't really understand a whole lot about policy. It was... Uh, um, um, politics, generally. Yeah, policy and politics. It was more of just socially conservative. Um, 2016 was the first challenge. Because for the first time, um, I personally really struggled. Because on one hand, and again, like, you're going to have a different perspective even you Cody definitely had a different perspective but people are listening and I have a different perspective but here came Hillary Clinton who I did not agree with from a policy perspective a fiscal policy I also did not agree with the majority of the social aspects of her policy and on top of all of that I had great distrust for evidence that was leaking its way out right. moving into the election on the and then <laughs> on the flip side came the head of The Apprentice. And I really struggled there too because I was concerned with his ability to execute on fiscal policy. Yep. Um, I just There was no proof that he could do it. And as a matter of fact, uh, well, no, there, there was no proof that he could do it in my mind. And then the other side from was from a character perspective at yep. that time, I'm like, he's a loose cannon. Well, he's and, still a loose cannon. Yeah, he's still a loose cannon. But there it was like, he, he's a loose cannon. And I was really concerned that he was going to do damage. And all the while, the multiple, uh, you know, scandals with women and the Billy Bush incident. And there was a lot of financial things. And even then, which it's come out far more, it, we don't know where it lands, but his ties to like Epstein, even way back then. And there was some quiet, quiet talk of that. Just a lot of things. I was like... I can't, get, I can't get behind this guy sure. either. And so um, I had some friends that were talking. Uh, uh, the Libertarian Party, you being one of them, started doing a bunch of research. Um, so I looked down there. And we ended up actually voting for Evan McMullen in 2016. Third party. Third party. Um, 
and felt really good about it. Yeah. Um, and so now we land today, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or coming up on this election. And this has been the most challenging time ever, I think, um, because now I'm in a place where I personally, again, my own personal opinion, cannot get behind either the fiscal or the social policy of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And and, and actually more so, I struggle more so with the uh, with the fiscal policy not being in alignment than I do the social, That's though. Close. Yeah, though the social, I should be very, very concerned about for a lot of things that they want to push forward. Mm-hmm. But that's less of my concern than what I believe economically, how, how our economy will be impacted sure. economically should he get into office, uh, when he probably gets into office. Um, on the other side, we have. Same dilemma as 2016. This loose cannon. If not worse. Right? And yeah, and in many ways, he's proved to be far more loose, mm-hmm. right? Like nobody can get a hold of his Twitter account. It's crazy. Including him? Yeah, including him. <laughs> um, but there has been good done. Follow through, yeah. He has, first of all, he's exactly who he ran to be. Mm-hmm. Like he, I will say he is the first president that I have seen be him. Like it, love it, hate it, yeah. distasteful, whatever you say, it's him. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't pretend. To, that's why people hate his Twitter is because it is him. If, yeah. If he was presidential on Twitter and not in person, people would be very confused. I think he's the only president that's made. Well, I think he's the only second one that's had the opportunity, but right. maintained his own True. Twitter account yeah. instead of using the POTUS yeah. one. And I, I want to be clear with my statement too. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not excusing his behavior. What totally. I'm saying is that it just is. That yeah. is who he is. Yeah. You that's don't. Not, you don't not have to agree with it. Of it. But that is just who he is. Yeah. Right? He is Bronx, New York. He's he's. The guy who who yells and curses at you because you walked in front of his car while he was driving down the street. No, right? he like, ran you over, maybe. Yeah, right. Probably. Right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like up until pandemic, and even through it, he has reasonably governed our economy. Yep. We've done well overall, and there's a lot of things that Barack Obama, that, sure. you know, brought into that uh, or teed up for him. Which thank God for that. Um, there's a lot of factors of other people that have been around him, sure. um, but that's happened. He's negotiated significant peace deals. As a matter of fact, the peace yes. deals that he has negotiated three, or he got nominated three times for a Nobel Peace Prize for his work in the Middle East. Crazy. Which Where is the news for three different incidents, mm-hmm. though? Right, three different yeah. reasons why. And what's crazy about that is like that has that has been at least that I can remember has been the most significant peace deal signed in my lifetime. The only thing that I can remember, and I don't even know if it was executed in any kind of similar manner, was I remember being in junior high when the peace treaty with Libya was signed when we were about to go to nuclear war when Reagan was president, right? And like, this is far greater in what he's been able to do. And we'll see how they live that out. But gosh, like, that's amazing to see what's happened. And... And on top of it all, there is this little part of me that has seen all of the negativity that has been imposed upon him. So much of it is self-inflicted. Yep, most. But but so much negativity. All of the Russia scandal, which again, like you can go down a million rabbit holes, but like he, nothing has come out to clearly prove he was implicit, complicit in that. Uh, and yet, as a matter of fact, now we're actually seeing some evidence on yep. the other side. Yep. Um, and yet, through all of this, 
He's just continued to move forward. Mm-hmm. Not to say he hasn't been loose-lipped, not to say he hasn't created more contention, but I'm like, kind of a little part of me is like, I kind of want this guy to come out on top. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you know, truth be told, I was in the same boat in 2016. I was probably even worse because I was publicly writing articles for upwards of 3 million subscribers a month against the presidency of Donald Trump. Um, I was not a fan of Steve, uh, yes, Steve Bannon, who is mm. now mm-hmm. uh, about to see jail time. I think that Trump has a tendency to align himself with politically motivated people outside of himself, meaning these people are motivated on their own reasons sure. that hijack his his um, enthusiasm. Um, and I think that is 100% his fault. Totally. totally. Um, Trump Trump's issues are Trump's fault 100%. He owns them when he when he said when he gives vague statements, they're his fault. When when he says stupid things on Twitter, it's his fault. He is his own worst enemy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that yeah, being yeah. said, a lot of the criticisms against him aren't even anything really to do with those things which are genuinely open for uh, critique. Right? Yep. They're things that that get blown out of proportion. Now, I think you're getting a phone call. Someone's wanting yeah, you to stop talking. Yeah, my mom decided that this was the best time to call me. Apparently, <laughs> um, so uh, mom, I'm talking politics. Leave me alone. Uh, That's not a very loving thing to I say. I know, right? No, she'll know. She'll know. She knows. Okay. She's she's dealt with me for thirty years. Ooh. Um, no, but basically, what I'm saying is that, like, truth be told, I look at everybody who runs for president as you're going to lie to me. You're going to say things to get elected. I'm not part of the population that's susceptible to that. I see through it. My question is, what's your follow through? What's your philosophy? Yeah. What what is what is something that I can work with? Give me if we can meet if if it's 50% working with me versus 40% working with me, I'm going to work with the 60%. Yeah. I think I said 50 or 60. I don't remember the number I gave, but you know what I mean. We believe that you were looking for an equal there. Right. The pragmatism, right? Yeah. I, I'm looking for the person who's as close to my beliefs that can affect change in in the direction that I think is beneficial. And obviously, everybody's open to disagree with me, and I'd love to have a conversation on that part because, to me, that that shows trust in, in people, that shows the humanity in people is when we can have a discussion yeah. and disagree. Which is, by way, by the way, a far better approach to take than the lesser of two evils argument, which I hear so much. And I would think that it's, no, now, now it's pretty balanced, actually. I'm hearing it from both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I have far more friends that are Democrat and liberal than conservative, just in case you're wondering. But, um, uh, but, I hear this lesser of two evils, and I hate that um, because that's not how we should be deciding. We're not trying to pick the best of the worst. What we should be doing is trying to do what you just said, and it may end up being word semantics and the same thing, but we should be trying to find the person that is going to best align with producing the outcomes we're after mm-hmm. as an individual, Correct. for our family, for our friends, for the society we live in. Because it's always more complicated than that. It is. I always tell people that purity is not a thing that exists. Right. Because humans are fallible, purity is not possible. Yeah. Right. So you're not going to get if you if you agree with somebody 100% of the time, it's because you you have uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, man, it'll come back to me. I had it and it disappeared. But basically, what I was trying to say is that if you agree with somebody 100% of the time, it's because you're you are willfully ignoring your conflicts of uh, congruency. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. You're human. That's going to happen. Everybody's going to do that. Emotionally charged. The hard part is is equating emotion into what is important. Yeah. Right? 
emotion is going to uh, dictate what is most important in your hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Um, and for some people, oddly enough, that's personality. For some people, oddly enough, and, and today I think more than ever, it's sticking your thumb in the other team's eye, which yeah. is a side effect of social media. Yes. Um, Ooh, the social dilemma. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it, to me, every vote is a matter of, am I taking a step forward? Am I taking a step back? And sometimes it's, am I taking one step back or am I taking 16 steps back? Yeah. Right? And and But that's reality. I'm yep. not going to sit here and pretend that's not my reality. Yep. If I thought that somebody, it, it would really take somebody like the candidate I worked for um, to energize me to vote outside of that system because I know the consequence could be worse than feeling comfortable with my vote. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, I think as we're you know we're continuing to talk, I think that you know it's it's again trying to do the best we can with the information that we have to make decisions that are going to get us to where we want to go, all the while not demonizing other people trying to do the same thing, even when we significantly disagree with them. Right. So that's important. Um, okay, so there's some things that within this whole idea of politics and the outworkings thereof that have come to the top of everybody's list of topics. And I actually put out on social media, um, I can't believe we're 47 minutes in and we're just getting to these because this could be like crazy, but, or at <laughs> least crazy in terms podcast. of, seriously, three and a half hours later, um, I'm definitely not that good. Um, but... I put it out and I said, hey, what types of things would you like to hear talked about? Which is always crazy because it's like, who am I? What do I, like, right. whatever. But people just want to hear. Uh, and here, here were, here's a list of things that people said. I know, Cody, you saw this, but um, yep. here, here's a list of things that people wanted me to speak to. And so this is both because people wanted to hear it, but also because I actually want to address them. Uh, again, to the best of my ability, knowing that I'm gonna step, step in a huge pile of crap uh, at least uh, half a dozen times with these and I risk offending people by giving my perspective on these but that's okay because I am who I am and I love you anyway so here were some of the things that either it was either statement or question so um, every white person is a racist silence is violence the silent majority talking about why people aren't speaking up when they should BLM white supremacy Protesting versus rioting and when we have to be weary of and maybe even stop one or the other. Mm -hmm. Defending the streets when the local local government won't. Um, tribalism, we've talked about to some degree already. Christianity and politics, which some of that's influenced what we've talked about already, but we'll probably get to some more of that. Sure. The, the threat and potential of an upcoming civil war. Um, crazy to even make that statement. Uh, police brutality, reform, and defunding. Um, Biden's mental capacity. I'm not a doctor, but I guess I'll give a little bit of two cents, or you can. Um, Hunter Biden's tax issues. That was something that people wanted me to hear about. Trump and his taxes. Um, can you be against racism and against BLM? And finally, the movement uh, that we're seeing from celebrating those previously seen as unequal. So this movement of, of like, I, I took this as celebrating women's rights and mm -hmm. celebrating women's equality now has moved into vilifying their counterparts. Yeah, it's almost like a, it, it went from equality to supremacy. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Of everything that I just said right there, what what sounds like a great place for you to start? So I, I think we hit the hardest one first, which is obviously white supremacy, and we'll tie that in with BLM and, and police brutality, I think is the easiest way to kind of do this, yeah. if there is an easiest way. And, and I want to start off with this. Um, the term Black Lives Matter is a very, very overloaded phrase. It has multiple meanings. One, the first which is Black Lives Matter. Unequivocally, 100%, you could not convince me otherwise, they matter just as much as any other human being that walks this earth, that breathes this air, that stands beside me as an American citizen, as a, as a member of, of earth, right? As a, as a general citizen of earth, it doesn't matter what race, creed, you matter. It, unequivocally, yep. no questions asked. Yep. Yep. The second definition is BLM as in the organization. Yep. Um, for people who are unaware, the, the, in June of this year, the founders of this organization openly talked about being trained, trained Marxists. They have on their demands uh, for, for the movement, again, to delineate, for the movement, they have called for things such as disrupting the nuclear family, uh, meaning mom, dad, and the household with kids, um, which has been the largest precursor of poverty. Um, they have called math uh, racist, because it is a predominantly uh, it is a predominant um, successful area for white people, um, and they they are generally very disruptive, right? They they have ties to violent organizations. Sure. The third is a conflation of both of those things, and what we're seeing as the protests and the riots coming on, because yep. you have people who are genuinely and and rightfully calling for social change. Uh, in policing, um, calling against things like we saw in Charlottesville, where you have people who are stuck in this mindset that there is some kind of supremacy to race. Yep. Um, and then that gets conflated with with the idea of the BLM organization, and you lose this term because of that conflation. You People, people are un unable to define exactly what they're talking about and talk in equal terms. Um, and, and I think maybe that's kind of where we snowball into is this police brutality. Okay, hold on a minute. So you're there. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to get there. Sure. Um, so there is never a time in my life, nor will there ever be a time in my life, that I would ever, ever, ever advocate for the supremacy of one person over another or one race over another. And I am vehemently against any idea of white supremacy absolutely and any organization any organization that stands for that the kkk is an easy target Correct. but any additional organization that would be so hell-bent on protecting their race and primarily this has been though we see this in other areas too but has been a issue uh, mm -hmm. from the from from the white people in america clearly um i am a hundred percent absolutely against it like there is never a question and as soon as somebody if anybody was to ever be able to demonstrate evidence that an organization that i've ever supported um quoted positively would ever 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 accept white supremacy as okay is out and i believe that and you said this a little bit as a christian and this is where I struggle the most with the fact that like even in the church in years past, way more, 
today. It's still present. Thank God it is not anywhere near what it was. There's a lot of work to do, but it wasn't there. But the, one of the reasons that disgusts me so much when it's happened in the church, uh, but this just projects itself onto the world, is I believe, so there's this word that uh, we see in Scripture, uh, Imago Dei, mm-hmm. and it's the image of God, meaning that every single human being was created in the image of God. Correct. That's infinite worth, infinite value, equal worth, equal value mm-hmm. of color of skin, of ethnicity, of gender, and anything else you want to throw into there. And so that to me, that's why my foundation stands there is because my faith is in God and I believe that's where it came from. And I, and I know you're there and, too. And if people want a, a better elaboration on that point, check out Do- Dr. Bodhi Bauckham. Oh yeah. Um, he, he is a wonderful listen on this topic and he doesn't mince words. He doesn't make it easy. He doesn't let people off the hook. But for what that means in the, the Christianity side of this conversation, mm-hmm. I have not heard anybody talk about it better. Um, so I would really recommend going to find his podcast. You can find those on YouTube and other places, but yeah. we bought them. Um, and so as we uh, kind of move into this further, I also want to I want to put this out there for, for as this conversation gets sort of difficult. Um, obviously we're considered two white males, though I'm Hispanic and people just don't know. Um, this is a touchy subject for totally. us. And, and there is a part of me that is nervous to discuss this. But I think it's important that, again, like you mentioned, <laughs> nervously that, like, laughing, Matt. These are things, Funny. these are things we should talk about totally. with each other because it humanizes each other. Yeah. Like, my friends, I the one thing I know concretely is that people who are my friends know where I stand, they know how I treat people, and, and they know my heart. And I know the same about you. Yeah. So if anything is misconstrued, we are hopeful that there will be a conversation. There. Yeah. But I also don't want to mince words at the same time. Sure. Like, I know where I come from. I know where I stand. I'm actually a third generation, fourth generation immigrant. My family came uh, from Italy through Ellis Island. My great grandparents are on the docket there. Like my family knew what that was mm-hmm. like. Um, but I also want to be super duper clear in some things that I am also absolutely against. Right. I am absolutely against the idea of a statement like all white people are racist. I'm also absolutely against the idea that because I have biased in my in my mind, in my heart, even you're flawed. Even if I or somebody else, and I know throughout the years I've made statements, sure. um, uh, fun, otherwise uh, that could be considered uh, racist in type. Mm-hmm. That that does not make me a racist. No, I'm, I'm, and that's one thing I talk about a lot with people is that. A momentary action or a momentary lapse in judgment is not a lifetime of con- con- condemnation, right? Right. Uh, and that goes true with anything, um, but it's especially touchy on this subject. Um, and, and so from there, I kind of want to lead, if, if you're ready to kind of move to that, into this police brutality thing, because I think it's important that we look at this rationally. Just so long as, I think what's important, I know where you're going, or I mean, I, I get where you're going. Mm-hmm. That's immediately the clash. Correct. Right, because that's the, the hot topic because that's today. the narrative today, and I understand. I understand that th- what's making the news, and and rightfully so, mm-hmm. is Absolutely. excessive use of force and perceived of sex- excessive use of force of white police officers against black people. Correct. 
And so I understand that that's where we go. But we need people, and I don't want to spend forever here, but like sure. we need people to separate those two things from happen from 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 the conversation to some degree, because though they both are, are in effect uh, the same now, mm-hmm. um, that that's that's not why we have this problem, right. right? That's that's not why we have issues of racism. Right. That's not why we have ignorance towards racism. Like we're we're not ignorant. Uh, and all of a sudden we're aware of it because of what's happening. Like it just so happens that some of these events sure. have created this mindset. Sure. So I just I just want to make sure that nobody hears us and maybe no one's listening at this point because of something that was already <laughs> said, but like I just want to make sure that nobody hears us automatically say we denounce white supremacy, we are also against, and I'm with Cody 100%, I'm absolutely against the organization Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. though I would die. I would sacrifice my own soul to continue to fight for, in whatever ways that God put in front of me, the ability to bring to equal in as many areas as possible, every single gender, and I mean, every single race, and right now, black people specifically because of the insane number of generations of them being pushed down. And the one thing I want to play first, not play, the one thing I want to put out first is is the definition of how I describe, and and I take this from, if people know who Ben Shapiro is, I think he explains this perfectly, for institutional racism. Yeah. So there's two delineations here. The first is institutional racism is that the current institution is enforcing racism, meaning they are treating races differently because of the way that the institution is organized. The other is that history has consequences, and because of things like Jim Crow, red line laws, things like that, it has had consequences in communities of color. Yep. The latter, I 100% agree with. There are, there are scars throughout the history of this country that absolutely, fundamentally play into things that happen today. Do I believe today, statistically speaking, organizationally speaking, that this is the same or close to how things were run in the 60s or before? I do not. Yeah, I don't I think. I, I think it's. I, I think it's statistically unimaginable or inimaginable to levy that claim. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that our founding document, and and Frederick Douglass was one of the people who talked about this. The principles in the founding document are what separate our nation from other places. We have overcome scars. uh, We have overcome damage and hurt and pain faster than most nations did in the history of the world because they've been around that long. That doesn't mean it was good enough. That doesn't mean that it happened fast enough. Um, And it doesn't mean we, we always live up to our esteems. But it means that we are one of the we are a nation that is always trying to be better, and that is our common thread. Kind yeah. of touching back on something yeah. before, that has always been our common thread. Yeah. Which is why people come here from everywhere. Correct. And and it's still why today. Yep. Everything going on, people are still trying to immigrate to this country at a rate far different than most places. Yep. Now, kind of touching on the police brutality thing. Yep. I think what you stated at the beginning and being able to delineate. Uh, qualifiers on incidents is extremely important. Yep. Is there really police brutality? I would argue there is more police brutality than there is police racism. 
Sure. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I think because the mass numbers of officers there are out there, there are a hundred percent anecdotal incidences of brutality that are far too numerous due to mul- there there's a mm, there's a, a bevy of reasons as to sure. why that occurs. Sure. And it could be different from department to department. Yep. Uh, yep. What happens in New York City cannot mirror what happens in a small city like Laguna Beach. Right. The, right. the policing is totally different. The right. crime is totally different. Demographics are totally different. And people respond differently to them. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think it's extremely important when we look at cases like this to sit there and go, what are the facts? Nobody does this anymore. Right. It's right. hit the news hit the Facebook post, hit the, and then all of a sudden the facts change 12 times in the first two days yep. of what's going on. Yep. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.